podcasts from Aberdeen Standard Investment Trusts. Invest in good company. Hello and welcome to the latest in the Aberdeen Standard Investment Trust podcast series. With me today is James Tom from the Aberdeen New Dawn Trust. We'll be talking about the recovery in Asian economies and how he's positioning the fund in this new environment. Welcome, James. I wonder if we can start by looking at the big picture across Asia. Um, Are you finding that economic recovery is in full swing there? It is looking very encouraging. Um, I think Asia is now clearly benefiting from the way in which it handled the pandemic through the course of last year and uh, an economic growth is is racing back Um, and if you think about the two big kind of economic engines in the region um, even last year China managed to uh, eke out two percent GDP growth and and that momentum's kind of continuing through uh, to this year. Uh, India was pretty hard hit uh, by the pandemic Um, but it has seen a remarkable rebound um, with case numbers now down substantially uh, in the the fourth quarter and into this year. Um, And that has allowed the economy there to open up uh, far quicker, I think, than anyone had expected. Um, And across the region, you know, we're certainly not totally out of the woods. So some of the countries are still uh, struggling and, and growth is still um, uh, not there. But uh, but overall, I think the picture is is pretty encouraging. And there was a lot of speculation ahead of time about what the recovery might look like. Um, are there any noticeable characteristics about the recovery? Any areas that have been particularly weak or particularly strong and any surprises? I'm not sure it's been sort of particularly surprising in the way in which it's playing out. Um, So as you would expect, sectors that were hardest hit by the the pandemic um, are those that are now sort of coming back uh, most strongly. Um, So if you think, you know, anything sort of consumer discretionary related, um, you know, that we're seeing uh, quite good uh, growth uh, come back there, whether it's auto sales or retail restaurants, those sorts of things. Um, Maybe the bit that that has arguably arguably been a little surprising has been the sudden rebound in the kind of commodities uh, area. So um, metals and mining and oil and gas uh, has has come back uh, quite strongly on the expectations that economies are going to continue opening up and demand is going to come back. so, so I, so we're seeing that play out. And meanwhile, the those sectors that were kind of seen as beneficiaries um, through the pandemic um, have continued to perform pretty strongly, and that almost feels now like a bit of a sort of structural improvement. So, if you think about you know, the internet sector, e-commerce, the tech space, um, still seeing very good performance there. And what do you see as the big risks today? Is it still a revival in? Um outbreaks of, of, of the virus or, or are there other things emerging you're, you're looking at just as closely? The number one risk is still very much the, the, the pandemic and, and another wave. Um, and, you know, as much as I said, we've seen a, a, a dramatic um, drop in case numbers in, in India. Um, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen, unfortunately, numbers pick up again. So um, still fear and concern there. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, obviously, the, the vaccine um, 
developments are, are key here and, and India is uh, now uh, uh, rolling that out uh, uh, much more quickly than it, than it had been initially. Um, so, so yes, vaccine uh, uh, and the virus still front and centre of of, uh, of the risk register, if you like. I think the the one that's kind of reared its head that wasn't there previously uh, is now concerns about inflation and um, rising rates, and we've seen the sort of yield curve pick up a bit, and so concerns that maybe. Asia is uh, on the cusp of another so-called taper tantrum, if you think back to 2013, when the Fed uh, sort of changed course uh, in terms of monetary policy. I don't think um, we're there yet, and, um, and, and I think Asia's in pretty good shape, actually. But certainly, um, there's quite a bit of thought now going into uh, what this all means for, for Asian markets and economies. Um, and then the third one would just be, uh, you know, the, the continued concerns around geopolitics and relations in particular between the US and China and how that's going to sort of unfold under the new uh, White House administration. If we could turn to the fund now, and uh, the fund's quality focus certainly helped during the pandemic. Have you shifted the focus at all as as the economy recovers, perhaps moved into more cyclical areas? Yes, a little. I mean, I would say that the focus on quality hasn't changed. So, um, and, you know, I think that there is no substitute for quality, um, particularly in, in Asian markets uh, where uh, where there are sort of risks to the downside. Uh, so, so we're still very much focused on quality companies. But yes, from a sort of sectoral standpoint, um, we have rotated a little um, to reflect that the, the opening up of economies and and the growth that we're seeing uh, coming back in some of these more cyclical sectors, as you, as you said. So and, and in the commodities space as well. So um, so yes, we've we've kind of reflected that a little bit in the in the portfolio in in recent uh, weeks and quarters. And anything else you'd say about the the current themes running through the portfolio and and trust positioning? So I would say, I mean. It, Overall, the portfolio remains a, a well-diversified portfolio. Um, so whilst we have still uh, well, probably a third of the portfolio in, in China and we're still positive on the, on the China growth story, um, we have substantial positions across North Asian economies and markets uh, in India and in Southeast Asia. Um, from a sector standpoint, uh, we've got quite a significant exposure to the tech sector. Um, as I said, that had been kind of resilient through the pandemic, um, but, but we've seen it continue to perform very strongly. So I think we're still positive on the outlook there, both on the internet sort of side of that sector and the, on, on the sort of tech hardware side, um, where growth remains very robust. Um, but otherwise, I think you know thematically, um, probably the, the the new or the newest theme that we've been thinking about and positioning around somewhat is uh, is the sort of shift to a greener economy and and renewable energy and you know a move to electric vehicles and all these things, which uh, is as we're seeing across the globe, um, you know, in Asia is, is gathering um, real momentum. And there's some great companies uh, in this part of the world in, uh, that uh, we have the opportunity to invest in. And what about the, the longer term themes in Asia that have sort of been recurring over the past decade or so? Things like 
uh, infrastructure and the growth in the middle class and urbanization. Um, has the pandemic changed any of those at all? My sense is is not. Um, I think those you know those remain very real long term structural growth drivers for the for the region. Um, you know, Asia is still in need of significant uh, infrastructure build out. Um, Urbanisation is still a very real phenomenon. Um, you know, maybe less so in you know somewhere like. Uh, China today, given the huge progress they've made there. But if you look to a market like India, um, you know, urbanization is still very real and, and uh, very much happening. And uh, there's still a huge paucity of sort of housing, for example. So demand for, you know, infrastructure service providers, cement companies, paint companies, um, you know, uh, we're seeing very good growth still in, in many markets there on that theme. Um, and, you know, the rise of the Asian middle class is is continuing um, and continuing to drive growth and aspirational consumption. And uh, we have quite a number of uh, stocks in the portfolio that are a play, a play on that um, still very kind of resilient uh, theme. Asia is, has been quite resilient over the past year, particularly in China. Um, is that reflected in higher valuations for Asian companies or or are you really um are you really seeing sort of valuations on a par between both kind of relative to their history and relative to the rest of the world so uh, valuations have run up a bit um you know the markets have had performed well and continue to perform well um earnings are catching up but but there has been a, a re-rating in in valuation multiples um, and I think it's fair to say certain parts of the market do look a bit frothy at the moment. And uh, we are seeing you know, quite a lot of new IPOs and, and issuances uh, taking advantage of that. Uh, but overall, if you kind of chart valuations relative to their long term history, they're a little bit above that long term average, but not you know, materially so. So they don't look overly stretched. Um, uh, and, you know, I think the key is that we see the earnings growth uh, come through to, to kind of support those multiples. So that's, I, I guess, the sort of the risk to this. Um, but notwithstanding that, I would, I would argue that Asia still looks pretty attractive versus global equity markets and certainly versus U.S. markets um, with the region trading on a still very wide discount uh, versus, versus those markets. So I think there's, the relative attractiveness is, is, is very much there still. And you mentioned earlier that you have around one third of the portfolio in China. Um, is, is that focused on any particular kind of stock or are there things that China is doing particularly well? Well, it's, it seems to be doing a lot of things very well. Um, and, uh, and so the, there are kind of multiple themes to our, to our kind of exposure in, in China in the portfolio. Uh, one is, is very clearly the, the internet sector. Um, so one of our core holdings uh, remains Tencent. Uh, and uh, that is still seeing very strong 
growth and and there are multiple drivers there you know everything from kind of gaming revenues to online advertising um to uh to fintech now so that remains a fascinating and highly innovative innovative space um with a lot of growth opportunity um as i mentioned you know that that rising middle class um that's still very much a real trend in china and you know the aspirational consumption that comes with that so we have two or three holdings that are a play on that theme um we've got a couple of uh holdings in the healthcare sector uh and again china's been quite innovative there particularly in the sort of biotech um space um and i mentioned um renewable energy uh, obviously china's just made this um key pledge to be uh, carbon neutral by 2060 um which is a long way off but uh, the amount of investment and sort of capital expenditure expenditure that we think uh, that uh, shift is going to require uh, will be huge and uh, and therefore we're seeing uh, a lot of growth and and uh, yeah investment into some of the china companies and and that's reflected in the portfolio as well and you mentioned the new us administration obviously it was it was quite a tetchy relationship under the previous administration but do you do you have any geopolitical concerns about china and and if so how we, how do you manage that in the portfolio so i think those those concerns are still there um yes there's been a change in administration and you know the hope is that we'll have a slightly more diplomatic relationship now um uh, less confrontational but uh but i think that the the tensions aren't going to go away um and there is sort of broad based support for them uh, politically on both sides of the house in the US so i think and and you know notably in the first few months of uh, the administration biden has not kind of rolled back any of the uh um the sort of key um sanctions if you like that have been placed uh, on china under the the prior administration so um so there's been no relaxation um we're waiting to see whether there'll be a further escalation my sense is there there could well be um so you have to be kind of alive to those risks i think we uh for our part tend to focus on the companies um and ensure that we're in the best quality companies that can sort of withstand any turbulence um but also you know when you look at our exposure uh in china a lot of it is kind of domestic focused uh, so we don't have a lot in companies that are kind of trade dependent or export dependent or are sort of more politically sensitive if you like um we tend to kind of shy away from those and i think that helps kind of insulate um us and the, and the portfolio overall from from some of the uh the sort of The, the sort of real volatility here. Right. Okay. Um I wonder if we could just wrap up by talking a little bit about what the last 12 months has done to the long-term argument for Asia. Um you know whether that's still kind of firmly in place whether it's actually potentially got stronger. Yes, I I think I mean there is an argument to be made here that that Asia well if it doesn't emerge stronger in absolute terms i think it may very well emerge stronger relative to the rest of the world um if you think about the sort of strength of the economies in asia um in contrast to much of the developed or western world you know asia given the way that they've handled the uh, the pandemic they have you know they have 
pumped stimulus into the economies to support them through this tough uh, period, but not to the same level or extent that we've seen in Western economies. Um, as a consequence, they're much less indebted um, and will emerge um, in a far stronger kind of position uh, from this as a consequence. Um, and Asian central banks have largely pursued orthodox monetary policy since the global financial crisis um, going back a number of years now. So they still have you know, monetary policy levers at their disposal to, to keep stimulating the economy should, should they need to. Uh, and, and as I've already commented, you know, Asia's racing back into growth and remains the fastest growing uh, part of the world. Um, and uh, that will also continue to position it very well. And, you know, all of those long term structural drivers that we've talked about already, you know, I think remain intact, um, coupled with, you know, the huge innovation that we continue to see in this in this part of the world. And that's only accelerating. So, you know, I, I remain as positive on the region as as I ever was, if, if not more so. Great. Okay. Thank you so much, James, for those insights. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, please check into the website, which is www.newdawn-trust.co.uk for any more information. And please do look out for our future episodes. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments of products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen Standard Investments. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns. Return projections are estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.